Welcome to the Emotionally Healthy Leader Podcast. My name is Rich Velotis. I'm here, as always, with Pete Scazzaro. Pete is the founder of New Life Fellowship Church and uh, the founder of Emotionally Healthy Spirituality. And today we're going to talk about an emotionally healthy skill called clarifying expectations. And so, um, Pete, I was telling the staff earlier today, last week, I uh, led a, a training for a a new lifer who owns a company, a business, and led her staff in clarifying expectations. And what I found so fascinating, number one, was the power of the skill in the marketplace. Like, like this is transferable, universal wisdom that is pretty powerful. And we talked, gave language to expectations. Expectations are usually a, a source of great grief in our relationships, in our personal lives, in our church lives. And so, um, you know, expectations are something, we hope that something would happen. We hope that someone would do something. And then when they don't do it, there's anger, there's confusion, there's disappointment. And it becomes a moment for us to grow into emotional adulthood if we have the right skills. And so we want to lead, help pastors here and leaders uh, to grow into maturity. And so why don't you talk a little bit about Emotionally healthy skills generally. How did it happen? Uh, it's a part of emotionally healthy spirituality, but you started focusing significantly on skills. How did that come about? And actually, what's interesting is uh, to put this clarify expectation skill in context, emotionally healthy spirituality birthed uh, in January 1996 out of actually a skill. And uh, the one we call incarnational listening. Jerry and I were in the midst of our uh, stuckness as a couple. We were with a uh, Christian counselor and we were not connecting. We weren't talking. And he said, okay, he set up a structure, a very simple structure for us to listen to each other, to talk and listen. And he kind of was the, was the coach and the guardrails. And we, we, for the first time in our eight years of marriage, up to that point, we actually listened to each other. We saw each other mm-hmm. and we experienced God. And that was the launch of EHS uh, and really kind of brought together the theology of integrating that emotional maturity and spiritual maturity can't be separated. Mm-hmm. And I realized that I, I, I was awful at loving. You know, the, the, the experience of the skill caused me to see the crack in my theology, mm-hmm. that I was kidding myself about I was his father to faith, but my own wife is sitting there, you know, upset with me, crying because she feels so unloved by me because I didn't know how to listen to her. So that was the launch. And so we, as we started... Um, uh, this whole journey of, of EHS, we realized we've got to create skills to implement the theology. Yeah. And so our first one was actually incarnational listening. And then we began to basically, we experiment, gather some, we, we tried creating a whole lot of our own. And then when I went for my doctor of ministry in marriage and family, uh, and the opening interview, we had to do a record a video of Jerry and I. Uh, they wanted to meet the wife, you know. And so when they met Jerry... And they said to me, the guy said to us, apart from this program, this doctoral program, he says, which he knew was very, he knew was going to be somewhat academic. He says, I want to encourage you both to go to this, to, to get certified with this group called PEARS, which was the Cadillac of relationship education, experiential learning. And I didn't go because I was, I didn't have time. You know, Jerry went over the next two to three years and got certified to become a trainer with this secular group that used skills and it was called pairs and she actually taught it for probably at new life six seven eight years um 
And at the same time, we're using their skills. We're creating some of our own. And then we went, we used to go, we went to conferences, like with basically Christian, not Christian, non-Christian therapists who, who had moved into relationship education skills because mostly men don't want to go to therapy, but they will come to an educational workshop. So there's kind of like this underlying movement. So Jerry actually became a, what's called a master teacher in this whole thing. And so from 1996 at New Life Fellowship, we were always bringing skills in to apply the theology. And we realized you can't separate skills and theology. Right. And that was, you know, we, we couldn't articulate, like, it wasn't all formal, but the skills is what gave EHS its punch from the very beginning. And, uh, and so it eventually came down to, we had 14 skills. We basically ended up over this 21 period, we came down to there's eight mm -hmm. skills. Um, core skills that a person must master to really kind of be an emotional adult, mm -hmm. uh, walk out loving, not just loving God, but loving other people. So, but it was, the, I must admit, the experiential learning, being a preacher, right. is not where I naturally went. Right. I, I just, my thing was preaching. I'm like, I'm putting all the time into sermons. But Jerry, really, she was the research and developer, mm -hmm. animal. And, uh, and so just what we did was... I, she had no vision for this becoming like available to other people. She was just like, it's us in discipleship, New Life Fellowship, that's it. And then it became very clear to me uh, in like mid-2000s, it's going to die with us. I mean, this is, there's no future in this. And she said, you can't put it into a curriculum. It'll never work. So that's when we, we kind of experimented and did it. Emotionally Skills Curriculum 1.0, 2.0. We self-published it at New Life Fellowship. Um, did things like genogram your family. So it was all, it was so experimental and there was a lot of skepticism. Could this ever be in a DVD curriculum? Because most of this stuff was done in therapist's office. Mm -hmm. And what I wanted to do was bring it into discipleship. Right. And so now it's climaxed into the curriculum being released in um, August by uh, Zondervan called the Emotionally Healthy Relationship Course. But actually it's really 21 years of work. Wow. So yeah, why don't you, I mean, you can just, what you discovered, you talk, you share with the staff today this phenomenal statistic about how we learn and remain, learn things. And why don't you share that before we go any further? Because it was such a fascinating uh, yeah, what's, research. What was, what was interesting, I was on Twitter, as I usually am, and uh, I came across a couple of retweets that uh, someone, I forget who it was at this point, but they just put something called like a, a, a knowledge retention kind of rate how, how do you how do you retain information and knowledge and what was pretty disappointing as a preacher was uh you know it said five percent of uh people retain five percent of what they just hear from a lecture or i guess a sermon which was very disappointing um you know reading people retain 10 percent of it uh in terms of audiovisual people hear and what people see that they retain 20 percent of it uh demonstration if it's demonstrated to them they retain 30% of it. And those top four are more like passive kind of learning, uh, you know, uh, approaches to learning. And then there was the bottom three of the seven, which if there's a discussion group that 50% of what's communicated is retained, if you practice by actually doing it, there's 75% that is retained. And if you actually teach others, that is 90% that's retained. And so what's fascinating about the skills is so much of it is based on it's participatory. It's not just I'm going to listen to it, I'm going to take some notes and go home. We are 
strongly encouraged and we create a, a, an environment for participation. You're going to try, you're going to practice, you're going to try it. And by God's grace, you're going to teach it to others. And um, it's critical for development and growth, that kind of approach. So you're saying we preach 5% they remember and we put 20, 20 hours into the sermon. <laughs> <laughs> Terrible. And 90%, if we can get them to teach a skill experientially, right. they remember 90%. Right. It's right. very humbling, isn't it? What was interesting today, just as a side note, I began the staff meeting today saying, I'm going to teach you a skill. Or we're going to review a skill. And the goal of it is for you to listen in such a way that you're going to teach it to someone else or share it with someone else. And so it was fascinating because I was looking around as I was teaching the skill and people were taking notes. I mean, a lot of notes because I, I put an expectation, hey, I want you to share this with someone. So they were listening in such a way to actually uh, teach it. So maybe on Sundays I should be telling people, uh, I'm going to give a sermon. I want you to share this with someone. That's really interesting. <laughs> let's not go down that. So anyway, why don't you just let's dig into just to clarify expectation skill. Why is this skill so important, Pete? All right, so it's a really simple skill. That's why it's good for a podcast, and uh, uh, you know, but very critical. So it's simple, and it goes like this: basically, all, all of us have um, you know unmet expectations or unclear expectations cause havoc. People quit jobs over unmet expectations. Churches split over unmet expectations. Couples divorce over unmet expectations. Families stop talking to each other over unmet expectations. Friends, holidays are ruined. So it's just a gigantic topic. And so if we're going to be people who love God and love other people well, uh, we've got to learn to handle this whole area uh, well. And so we start by saying, think of a simple expectation you had that went unmet, something that made you angry, disappointed, or confused. And you can think about anything from, you know, work-related, your family, friends, household chores, you know, church, children, parenting, holidays. And so it's it's everything from as simple as, you know, at Christmas, I'm going to buy you a gift and you're going to buy me a gift. It's going to be, we're going to buy gifts of equal value. You know, I buy you a gift for $100, you buy me a gift for $100, you know, not for $2. But those unspoken expectations, you know, everyone's going to help clean up after the office, you know, lunch. We're all going to clean up. It's not going to be left to one person. Uh, and so... We say that, so, I mean, you can think about it right now. I don't know if you want to, Rich, any, any thoughts you have. We, we did it with our staff team today. Everyone, yeah. everyone thought of one. And so we had everyone from this fellow right now who's, who's recording our sound. Uh, his, his job, he had an expectation that after a big conference we recently had, his workload would be reduced one-third. Mm-hmm. He never told anybody. Uh, he never, uh, he wasn't even conscious of it. He wasn't, it wasn't realistic either. <laughs> and it definitely wasn't agreed upon by his supervisors. And, uh, but he got aware of it that, uh, you know, he was, it was very, you know, not done well. So, uh, do you want to give an example, Richard, one that came up that? I think of one that came up this morning. I mean, our staff meeting started at 11, 11 a.m. And by the time 11 a.m. started, I was sitting down, I was waiting to get the meeting going, and 50% of the staff wasn't there. And so I was, I was, I said, we're going to get started. And I just, you know, I, I know we're, we're talking about expectations. I just put a note on my pad to say, send an email, you know, to clarify an expectation that when 11 o'clock comes, I'm hope I'm hoping to start the meeting at 11. Not people are high-fiving and coming in and hugging each other. Like at 11 o'clock, we're starting the meeting there. But I realized it has been communicated. Yes. So, um, so we'll, we'll go into the four qualities of it. I mean, let's actually go into it. So four qualities of, of, of clarifying expectations. Um, and so the first is that it's conscious. Um, 
Why don't you talk about that piece? Yeah, so, so this is the most, you know, the, most of the time we're frustrated because we weren't even conscious or aware that we had an expectation until it's not met. Yeah. And, uh, and so I've got, a, I got really these four things I've got to sort through of an expectation. Am I conscious of it? Is it realistic? Is there specific evidence this person can or will provide what you want or expect? Did I speak it? Not expecting they should just know. And is it agreed upon? So conscious, realistic, really? spoken, and agreed upon. So if you're listening to this podcast, just think of, an, think of some, an area of your life where you're frustrated or you're disappointed or you're confused. And ask yourself, was I conscious of it? Was I aware of it? Number two, was it, is it realistic? Uh, number three, is it, was it spoken? And was it agreed upon? So let me give an example. So for example, um, let's take, um, was, was I, is it, is it conscious? I expected my daughters all to be straight A students. My first daughter was not into, she was like, you know, she was not an academic learner. And uh, I wasn't even aware, I had the expectation that she would get straight A's until the teacher told me she's getting a C or a D. And I went home and freaked out. Or I, you know, I, you know Jerry expected me to be like her father, puttering around the house, doing handy things, which is the last thing I feel like doing on a day off or a Sabbath. I want to read a book. As I've heard you say, you have librarian hands. I do, I do. So she's always upset with me in the early years of our marriage because I wasn't doing it. But she was unconscious. She had the expectation. And, uh, and then also unrealistic. We have unrealistic expectations that and the best example we have is that the family holidays are going to be different when, uh, for example, Uncle Louie comes drunk every year and he, he's not doing any inner work to change. It's been eight years in a row. It's an unrealistic expectation. If Louie's not in AA group or in therapy, you know what? He's going to come drunk again this year. And uh, it's, it's not going to change. Uh, or, or someone says, uh, I expect you to text me back immediately. No, I'm upset because you didn't text me back after I texted you. I said, well, how, how, how soon do you expect a text back? They said, immediately. I said, well, how long is immediately? Within 30 seconds. I said, 30 seconds? <laughs> you know, so it's unrealistic. Uh, thirdly is sometimes we just don't speak it. And, uh, you know, all leaders will attend prayer meetings. You know, and I think of just yourself and the elder board, you know, what expectations, what are the expectations that you have of them uh, that you probably haven't thought about until they don't do it? Or... You know, or they have of you. And again, expect, unmet expectations that we don't speak come from all kinds of places. Fairy tales, our own unmet family of origin needs, things we saw in other churches. And the last thing is, okay, it's, was it most, most expectations are unconscious, unrealistic, unspoken. And lastly, they're unagreed upon. And uh, just because you have an expectation that, you know, in your case, the elder board might do something for you. I used to have an expectation the elder board would do what they would do for other pastors, senior pastors, when I was senior pastor at New Life, which was, like, give me a free vacation, like, to Hawaii, or, like, get a condo for me that I could go somewhere, like, in the summer, and nothing. Not only did I not get a condo, I didn't even get a Christmas card. And I remember going to them, I learned a skill, and said, I, I would like a Christmas card at Christmas. I would give the staff a gift, and I said, I'd like you to, like, recognize that, like, I work for you. And like Christmas, you say, well done. And then I say, I'd like a gift. I said, I'm not going to big money gift. Like a Starbucks car would be great. And so I, I expressed, they all said yes. And then the first Christmas that came after that, they didn't do anything. <laughs> I said, I can't believe it. I said it to them. I, I mean, I had a meeting. I had all this anguish. So I came back a second year. I said, no, listen, guys, nothing happened last year. So I want to ask again. <laughs> I know you agreed upon it. I'd really, it's really important to me. But again, I understood the fact that as the founder, right. 
it was a different scenario. But structurally, I was under the board, and I saw myself as an employee <laughs> under them. And I needed someone to say, "Good job." Once in a once a year, <laughs> just send me a card, and uh, especially what I would do for the staff. So, so basically, here's the million dollar question: You know, what expectations do we have a right to, and what do we not have a right to? And uh, and this this ex- this this skill helps clarify that. And, and the point is, you only have a, you only have an expectation. That you can that you that you have a, only have a right when you, when you're conscious of it. It's realistic. It's spoken, and the other person has agreed to it. Which complicates it on a staff level, Peter, work level, because someone might come to a job and have a particular expectation, but it's not part of their job description. And at that point, they could either pout and not do the job, which has its own consequences. Yeah. So, uh, clarifying expectations on a marital parent friendship role is much different than on a workload church staff relationship and that needs to be really nuanced yeah so we had a really good discussion today at our staff meeting uh rich Ledison and as staff were sharing different examples and we just talked about how you can't write an expectation when you write a job description for an employee it's never going to include all the expectations that's not possible now you want to try to get as clear as you can so we talked about for example at new life fellowship we expect, you know, this kind of came up with, it came, it, it, I'm going to mention two things, and I really haven't thought about it, but the reason I know these two so well is because people did not survive on staff because of them. And we remember saying, this is a value we have, and they weren't doing the value, and we realized they could not stay on staff at New Life. And the first was that you will take initiative to grow, that you will be a growing, we, we, we always, we talked about it. Rich, you know, we, we, we would, we always, as you do, we provide a lot of opportunities for development, but like, okay. Uh, if Lewis is in charge of video, audiovisual, it's expected he's taking initiative to grow in the field. Right. So in other words, if he is still using a cassette player, okay, in the year 2017, because he was using it in the year two in the year 1995, like just said, we have a problem. But if I have to feed him, no, man, we got to move on. We do podcasts now, like, and, and we realize that some people just don't have a learning mode. Like they just like, hey, I'm here. And that, so the issue of initiative, and you're, you're going to be growing um, and, and developing as a church is going to change. And we realized our environment was entrepreneurial, creative, changing. And not everyone's meant to work in that kind of environment. And the second is something that you're going to apply these skills. If something's bothering you, you're upset, you have the maturity on staff to say something uh, and get clarification, talk to that person, do a clean fight. And so they, I don't know the skills, I know, but you can't be on the staff if you don't want to learn that and, and do that. So it required a certain level of maturity. So then we realized it wasn't just people's performance. There was some inner life maturity that we expected. So for us, the emotionally healthy relationship skills were part of, on a, needed to be mastered in the high level of leadership. Because not only are you enforcing it in our culture, but we want to have a great, we want to model love here. We want to model great relationships in the complexity of job descriptions and hiring and firing, that's a really high yeah. level. Yeah. So what happens, Pete, when, uh, what do we do with unmet expectations? Okay, so so actually, I, I got three things here. I got three, you know, th- there's three ways that comes at you. Uh, and actually, it's in, it's in the new video things. So we thought quite a bit about it. You know, what do you do if someone cannot meet your expectation? Mm-hmm. And... Uh, so it could be something as simple as you and your 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 brother had a mutual expectation to go on you go on vacation every year together last ten years, but now he's married, and he doesn't want to go anymore. Yeah. But 
the expectation was we go over, it's been 10 years, but he's like, no, I'm going to go with my wife's family to vacation. So what do you do when they cannot meet your expectation uh, and they're not going to do it? You, you basically, you, you turn that unmet expectation into a hope. You grieve the loss. You've had 10 years with your brother. You love being on vacation. Uh, but at least for now, it's over. So you turn that into a hope. And what do you do if you have an agreed upon expectation with someone? They say yes, but then they don't do it. Uh, now, again, perhaps they said yes because they were afraid to say no. You don't know. Remember, if a person cannot say no to you, like say you ask someone to do something, and if they can't say no to you, you're basically making a demand. It's not an expectation. So you got to sort that out. They feel it was a demand. Or maybe you weren't clear enough. Or you may need to go back and clarify what the issue was again. Uh, or maybe they thought they could do it, and once they got into it, they realized they couldn't do it. So you'll need to explore the reasons of what broke down there, because something broke down. And then lastly, what do I do if God doesn't meet my expectations? And that comes up a lot. Uh, now, I can tell you this. You can rest assured God will not meet your expectations. And uh, we all like to know where God's going, what he's doing, when it will arrive. But we'd like to take charge of God, control life, and make God our servant. And we kind of make the deal that says, God, I'll obey you and keep my side of the bargain. Now, you bless me and... You know, you keep yours. Don't allow too much suffering. So uh, God will not meet your expectations. His word is true. He's faithful and just and true and loving. But the way that fleshes out in your life will probably not be the way you think it should. Yeah. And so as Augustine said, if you understand God, it is not God you understand. Mm-hmm. I think there's a sense of surrender to the bigness of God and uh, I don't apply this skill yeah. to him <laughs> in, in a strict sense. But it's only it, it has come up a lot right. to people, their anger at God for not meeting their expectations. Yeah. So with this skill, in which I've been thinking about the past two weeks very intentionally and thinking through all of my communication through this lens over the past couple of weeks, um, I've also been thinking about prudence in the book of Proverbs and being thoughtful about our ways. And this is, I mean, it seems like Pete, we can only, we can either do the hard work ahead of time and being clear and thoughtful in our communication with others, or we're going to have to do the hard work of mopping up the mess afterwards. And it seems like this expectation skill is inviting us, particularly leaders who are listening to this right now, to be to grow into an emotionally healthy adult, a mature person who gives thought to our ways, clear uh, uh, about our expectations. And so, because either way, it's going to be hard work beforehand, it's going to be hard work after, it's just the kind of work um, that we're going to have to clean up at the end. And so how do we uh, integrate this, Pete? How do, what's the next step we can take? This is a great start, but uh, talk about the course. In this yeah, show. let me just encourage all of you listening. Uh, this August, uh, we have finally given the rights to the Emotionally Healthy Relationship course, which includes all eight skills, to Zondervan. So it will be out in early August as the Emotionally Healthy Relationships course. Uh, and But there's trainings, live stream trainings we're doing for three-hour blocks every month. Uh, to get trained on how to actually do the course. Uh, and so this is much different than an average small group curriculum. It's meant to be a centralized course in churches. Now, you can do it one-on-one with one or two people, the checklist with it, et cetera. But I encourage you, go, to, go on our website, look for the next live stream training, which is on June 29th uh, from 1 to 4. And uh, I would sign up for that. 
and you'll need three people in the room, and I'll actually model the doing of a, of a, of a session with you. And actually, I'll be doing this skill. Stop mind reading and clarify expectations of session two. And we'll actually, you'll actually work it through and what it would be like to be in the course to actually do it. And uh, we, we're really, it's going to be really amazing when it comes out because, as, as Zondervan said, no, nobody's ever broken, no curriculum they can think of in all their history that ever broke down. How do you actually grow into becoming a loving person? Like, right. how do you love people? How do, we, how do we as a church disciple people to love? We do a lot about loving God, prayer, Bible study. But they said, we really can't think of anything. Besides, you know, like boundaries, kind of a broad stroke stuff. But like this specific, right. nailing it. And so I think there's a great sense of anticipation uh, for a lot of people on, the, on this coming out. So look forward to see how that unfolds. And for more information, you can go on our website, emotionallyhealthy.org. You can check out the resources and articles and blogs and upcoming events uh, that are taking place over the next few months. So, all right, Pete, this has been fun. Thank you. See you next time.